You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're joined today as we are on most Tuesdays as we record this episode for Wednesday. Bengal Sands, Mike Santagata. He's at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter, currently traveling, as you can tell from his unfamiliar background. If you're watching on YouTube, and if you are watching on YouTube, is that a king size bed? If you are watching on YouTube, just a reminder, do click that subscribe button. We really appreciate that. And you'll get notified every time we post a video. While James tends to Finn, who's having a little adventure over there, we will dive into the offense to start today's All 22 Lessons Learned episode with Mike. We'll also eventually get into some blocking issues potentially and where the offensive line is playing well and the defense, of course. Those will be the three parts of the show. And we start with Joe Burrow's performance. I thought generally Mike, he had a pretty good game, did a good job of taking what the defense was giving him for the most part. The Lions really stayed very true to too high pre-snap looks, mostly dropping out of too high pre-snap looks into quarter, quarter, half really trying to keep the ball in front of them. And Joe Burrow, as a result in the first half, checks it down a lot. And I thought maybe he wasn't seeing the field necessarily as well as you would hope. But on further review, I thought it was just the Lions were taking away everything fun and made Joe Burrow play a boring, patient brand of football. Yep. And uh, that's kind of the point of playing that defense is to keep everything in front of you. Uh, you split it up so that you can match the strength of the offense. And, I mean, Bengals love going three by two, three by one. So make helps you out, makes sense. Um, he did a good job taking what was given, scrambling when needed. It was nice to see that. And some attempts at slides, some of them better than others. So overall, I thought he was – Pretty good. I wouldn't say spectacular or even what I would expect against a team like this going forward, but pretty good. Got the job done, especially in the second half. Uh, I mean, the whole offense in the second half. But, yeah, um, that quarter, quarter, half, quarters, uh, different types of quarters out there. I mean, there's flat foot, what the Packers try to do a little bit quarters too, and that's a little bit more susceptible that maybe Burrow could take a shot. But the way they're playing all that stuff, it's – it's keep the keep everything in front of you. And, I mean, it worked in the first half for the most part. Let the offense shoot themselves in the foot and see if they can get out of third and 15-plus. Mike, you've watched every snap of Joe Burrow this year. How has his pocket presence changed? Because it was very clear early that he had to pull it down and run. There was one time where he uh, had a perfect dodge, essentially, and ducked at the perfect time and was able to scramble – uh, that stood out, especially early in the game to me on Sunday. Is that different from what you've seen this year? Was it was it more obvious on Sunday against the Lions when you watch the film? I think it's been getting better week by week and probably as he gets more comfortable with his knee and the injury and all that. Um, not to say it was bad, but I can think a couple times early in the year he was more susceptible to maybe – 
getting his eyes down and thinking, how do I get out of this? The spin left that everybody, I mean, it's becoming like a meme where he's just, he <laughs> likes to do that. Um, and he did it once this week when there was a free rusher. So, um, yeah. But other than that, I mean, he did a good job. He had that one play I think you just mentioned where he kind of like ducks and moves forward. That was nice. He stepped up generally well, and that's really what you want to see. If anything, he's progressed further than I thought he would because my real fear was that, oh, I wonder if he's going to feel okay by week eight, nine, stepping up into – because, I mean, in your brain you think, there's people coming at me. Let me run to the free space behind me and try to get away. Whereas when you play quarterback, it's step into the fire so that it goes around the backside, which just in your brain isn't like something you'd think like that's a good idea. Um, but that's what you should do. And he did. A, he does a great job already of stepping into that and letting off throws. And you saw that, for example, on the post to Jamar Chase, they, they get a great blitz pickup from Chris Evans that we've talked about a few times. We'll We'll come back to that play. I'm sure a little bit later, I thought that there were some times against the Lions where when they just played this soft coverage and he had to check it down, he, he started to break down in the pocket, but he did a really good job of composing himself, recovering and either throwing the ball away if he had to, if there's nothing open or getting the ball to one of his check down options. I would say, though, that there are a couple things that are like a little bit worrisome heading into the Ravens game. So I want to get your take on these two plays, Mike, and and how you think or, or what you think maybe lessons learned from these plays could be for Burrow going into a game against Wink Martindale, who's going to try to disguise things and continue to throw these problems at the Bengals. The first of them is the Lions show six rushers. They have two linebackers in the A-gaps, and they're wide with their defensive linemen. So there's six guys threatening to rush there's five guys in protection for the Bengals they're an empty they don't have a tight end in line they don't have a running back so they slide protection left to the weak side to protect Joe Burrow's blind side they go three for three on the left side of the line of scrimmage and they give uh, Riley Reef and I think at this point it was Jackson Carmen a man opportunity on the right side get the two guys that are on the inside so protect the A gaps protect the B gaps and that leaves the outside guy on the right side Joe Burrow's responsibility. He has to read that guy. And if he comes, he's got to be hot because nobody's blocking that guy. And that's the design of the play. And he needs to throw hot to either Chris Evans or one of the sits. There's two sit routes and a smoke route from Chris Evans, whatever you want to call that route on the right side of the offense on that play. And instead Joe Burrow kind of oblivious to that pressure and doesn't see it until it's too late. Ends up taking a sack. The other one is the interception or should have been interception or could have been interception to he to T Higgins. So in the context of Joe Burrow, generally I thought pretty good in this game and taking what the defense gave him. The second play is the safety immediately. You see his first steps are forward. That tells you that at worst or at best he's flat foot, but he's despite being lined up as a too high, there's no vertical threat on that side of the field. His first steps are forward and you have an in route coming in front of him, which Tracy Walker is able to undercut T Higgins has to break up the interception. When I think about how those plays translate to Baltimore, the Bengals would have to be a lot more precise on those plays. And specifically, Joe Burrow will need to be more precise on those sorts of plays against the Ravens, right? Because of the challenges they pose. Yeah. Um, the first play specifically, that is, I mean, completely right. It's a full slide left. And Joe Burrow has to know that the end guy on the right 
is his hot key. If that guy comes, you're hot because we don't have a guy that's going to block him provided that Riley Reef is occupied with the guy inside of him. And really this, I think, is a little bit in response to all the free runners they keep giving up like that, where now they're thinking, let's wad up all these dudes. Let's We know who's coming, who's going to be free, and whatever they do, it doesn't matter. We have we have uh, the hot read. If he comes, we're good. If not, it's protected. And he comes, but you, whenever you have that hot read, your quarterback has to be looking that direction to start his read as well. But he's looking to his left, to the slide side or the wall side, whatever you want to call it. So he looks over to where he's protected, and really the blind side versus uh, not having the blind side. Bengals fans probably know with with Willie Anderson. Uh, it gets a little bit overrated, especially when you're in shotgun all the time. So he's in shotgun. He looks left. He doesn't see anything to his right. By the time he gets off his read to the left, I mean, the guy's right there, and he tries to escape, but it's uh, useless to <laughs> try to get out of that. And then, I mean, that's the pressure situation. And then... Well, one more thing with that is I'm wondering if Burrow mis if Hopkins made the call and Burrow miscommunicate like he just didn't hear him or whatever they were away, so that's a possibility. Probably not. Maybe <laughs> I no. don't know. Burrow slid no. them left and and then just didn't see the guy come on the right. I think I was uh, trying to give it a little bit of an excuse, maybe, but uh, <laughs> the offensive line all slid left. So I was like, well, the offensive line they were right. Uh, <laughs> um, on the other play, yeah, it's looked like too high pre-snap and that means uh less guys underneath you can hit t higgins on the dig route but then you have tracy walker right i believe you just said his name uh coming down he's a good player so he recognized what's happening he comes down and he's able to make a break on the ball good job by t to break it up and that's kind of the two areas it's it's two separate areas where one burrow is a little bit confused by the pressure or whatever happens there with him and the other side is he gets a little bit confuddled by the coverage so not something you want to see, and I'm more worried this week about him being a little bit messed up by the pressure situation uh, because Wink Martindale, for my money, probably the best defensive coordinator at generating pressure. Yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out next week. Something to keep an eye on for sure. There's still a bunch of other offensive players to talk about, though, besides Justin Burrow in this game, and we'll get into how the rest of the offense played against Detroit and what we can expect against Baltimore coming up next. You like saving money. I like saving money. Jake Lisko and Mike Santagata like saving money. And we can all save money with the Get Upside app. You can make up to 25 cents per gallon of gas you put in your vehicle with Get Upside. And it's simple. You just go in the App Store if you have an iPhone or Google Play if you have an Android. And you download Get Upside. G-E-T-U-P-S-I-D-E. It's Sounds it's spelled just like it sounds and use promo code touchdown. You're going to get a bonus 25 cents off each gallon. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your first fill up with get upside. It's free money, free money. So take advantage of it. Now it's the app that's going to get you paid. Download it, get upside, use promo code touchdown for 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank and your first fill up. James, I'm going to let you take us through the rest of the offense. I just talked a lot about a couple specific Joe Burrow plays that I'm going to be interested to see him clean up against Baltimore. But Joe Mixon had a good game. The left side of the offensive line had a good game. Where do you want to go with Mike next? Well, we could talk about Joe Mixon a lot, but I, I think that fans specifically are focused on not RB1, but RB2. So let's talk about 25 and Chris Evans. When you went back, Mike, and you watched him, 
And it doesn't necessarily just need to be on offense. We could talk about the special teams too, the pass blocking, all of it, a full package. Compare that to what you've seen from Samaj P. Ryan and what elements does Chris Evans add that Samaj P. Ryan might not have on this team? And look, we get it. P. Ryan's a pretty good special teamer. You know, he's a veteran. We've seen him run and put up yards and numbers. But what does Chris Evans add to this team and bring to this team when he's out there that P. Ryan doesn't have? Uh, I mentioned this a long time ago, just with P. Ryan in general, about I think it was the argument between do you want P. Ryan or Mixon as your third down back? And this is even more so true with Chris Evans. If P. Ryan lines up out wide, he's running a hitch or nothing. Uh, He doesn't do anything downfield. So maybe a quick screen. I don't know. He ran a... That was a hitch. Yeah, he caught the hitch and he was making those juke moves against Jacksonville. So that's really what he's doing out wide. It's all he really is is a man zone indicator out there and a check down. Uh, when it comes to Chris Evans, as we all saw, there's a linebacker lined up on him and it's single high. Burrow says, okay, <laughs> and uh, lets Chris Evans cook. Uh, gives a really nice release on that play, by the way. He starts outside and then to really just mess with the linebacker, he jabs hard inside, which you see often to release outside to win inside. So he does that, fakes inside, and gone. And the linebacker is, I think, instantly three yards away. And that's just wide open in the NFL. So Burrow put it right on him a little bit too far ahead, maybe, for a running back because they don't always make those plays. But Chris Evans is a really, really good receiving running back. And then when you even look in the backfield, he does a pretty good job pass protecting. We saw that. and. Uh, that's P Ryan's specialty really is, uh, he's an okay runner and supposedly good pass protector. He's had a few lapses this year, but I mean, that happens to running backs. Um, but if Chris Evans has given you 90% of that pass protection, I mean, if it was me, I'd be going with him as the second running back, third down running back or second, third down, whoever. Uh, just over P. Ryan, just taking a lot of his snaps because of the the versatility he adds to the receiving game as well. And then uh, another uh, another question, we'll stick with the offense here. And, and this one is something Zach mentioned, but I, I want to ask you specifically. We have six games now where Jamar Chase has just been this dominant field stretcher. He's had a reception of 34 yards or more in, in all six games. He had a 34-yarder on Sunday against the Lions, then the 53-yarder. Our defense is playing him different. How is this still happening? Because to me, if I'm the Ravens right now and I'm John Harbaugh, I go into Don Wink Martindale's office, I'm like, look, number one is not catching a deep ball. So figure that out and make someone else beat you. Um, how is Jamar Chase still getting open? Really? It's because despite what I think fans think that coverage works is just you double the best player and uh, maybe you send another double (laughs) this guy. He's still singled up. Uh, He's a rookie and a lot of defensive coordinators, maybe they haven't seen how dynamic he is down the field or maybe they still just think like, ah, but that's not our guy. And uh, I definitely think the Ravens might do that, single him up with Marlon Humphrey because, mm-hmm. I mean, they have a case to say that's not our guy. <laughs> like, he's he's beating these guys, but he hasn't faced Marlon Humphrey. Um, so you have that. Uh, I mean, both big plays to Jamar Chase this past week came against single high, which means singled up, basically. 
uh, I believe both of them might have been cover one. And the one, it's just the classic. The 34-yarder was Jamar Chase, go ball. Joe Burrow, on it, right when his back foot hits, he's turning his feet and he's firing that thing. It doesn't matter if Jamar Chase is behind the cornerback, in front of him, even with him. He's putting it up there because he knows his guy's going to get it. And that's exactly what happened there. The, Jamar was behind him. <laughs> the throw, if you just pause when his hands separate, looks like a terrible decision, but he just knows Jamar Chase and knows he's going to make that separation to make the catch. And he's singled up against, I don't know, uh, the, the Detroit cornerback's corner name. It might have been Jerry Jacobs. Um, that's the only name I remember. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, and then the other one, the corner doesn't even play it bad. He's playing outside leverage, so he's forcing things to the inside. Jamar Chase runs a skinny post deep down the field, and the safety gets caught up in the jet motion and the sit, the post-sit type route uh, underneath. I mean, that's just the classic Sean McVay. Read the post safety. Uh, you have your number one is to take the deep shot. And if that's gone, it's because the safety went with it. So hit the dig. So hit the stop route that's sitting there. So um, that's what's happening sorry. is whenever whenever they get single high. Sorry, <laughs> whenever they get no, single high, they're just attacking it. So are defenses adjusting at all to this yet, or have they just not adjusted to it from what you've seen? I don't think they've adjusted too much. Uh, the the Lions play a lot of too high in general. <laughs> um, so there was that, but I. I think it's possible defenses more so respect him as the number one type wide receiver and want to put their best corner on him. But at the same time, we haven't uh, seen a cornerback that's really a number one type cornerback to go against him. So I think this week is the big tell where do, do they shadow Jamar Chase with Marlon Humphrey and let, I don't know, Jimmy Smith or um, whatever other corner, because I know Marcus Peters has hurt uh, – take T Higgins or, or, and Tyler Boyd. And that'll be interesting to me, at least to see do defensive coordinators really respect him after six games now that they're going to take, I don't care what's happening. I'm putting my best cornerback on him and he is, isn't going to beat us this game uh, type type of deal this week coming up. So I think that'll be the big test. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Marlon Humphrey shadow Jamar Chase this weekend. I kind of expect it. Uh, I, I wouldn't say this, uh, in the Lions' defense, they did a good job of keeping Jamar Chase out of the game from from beating them. And the couple times they got out of there too high, the couple times they showed press man on the outside, they just don't have the guys for it. And, and the Bengals just punished it. So they did, for the most part, game plan to take away the deep ball, to take away Jamar Chase. And then there are a couple plays where they line up and they give the Bengals a shot and they had a good play called into it. And, and that's how they got beat. So that's the other thing I think that you have to think about with how does it keep happening? Well, you, you can't do the whole same thing for the entire game. I mean, I guess if you're Brandon Staley, maybe you, maybe you can play too high the entire <laughs> game, right? And dare offenses to just beat you underneath for the entire game. But most teams, and the Ravens are included in this, are going to do different things to try to keep the quarterback off balance. And if the Bengals had the right play called into that, press man with a single high safety or something like that, like they're going to beat it. Last note, before we go to the defense, I just want to shout out generally the running backs and pass protection. We're both really good. We talked a lot about the Chris Evans play. Joe Mixon also had a really nice uh, cut block on a, on another play. So he also had a solid game in pass protection. So nice to see from Joe Mixon bouncing back in that regard. 
Uh, coming up next, though, let's talk about the defense a little bit. It's not all offense. The Bengals will have to slow down Lamar Jackson, this Ravens offense. that has been really good this year. And the Bengals defense has been the strength of this team. So we'll talk about what they did against the Lions that we can look forward to against the Ravens coming up next. Today's episode of Locked on Bengals is brought to you by McDonald's, which has proudly served communities since 1965. And they've been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food, whether it's their awesome double cheeseburgers, my go-to, the double quarter pounder with cheese, maybe some French fries or some chicken McNuggets. It's a place where classmates meet up for a study group, knowing they're going to have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. I could use a McFlurry right now, fellas. All this offensive talk, a little ice cream would be uh, the perfect dessert to go with it. So uh, whether you're stopping after a Little League game or stopping on your way home from a road trip like I did on Sunday night after the Bengals win over the Lions in Detroit, head to your local McDonald's, refuel and reconnect. And did someone say a Locked on Bengals watch party? McDonald's, get there. And as always, I'm loving it. Maybe you've got your McDonald's burger and the McFlurry is a little bit too much. You want to cut down on your sugar a little bit. If that's you, Built Bar is the way to go. It's a dessert. Well, it's not a dessert. It tastes like a dessert, but it's a protein bar. It doesn't taste like one. And maybe you don't believe us. We've been talking about these things for years on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Now, just go try one and, and let them prove us right. Most protein bars, you know, they're, they're chalky. They're waxy. They're, they're not very fun to eat, but a Built Bar, by contrast, we've talked about they're coated in 100% real chocolate. So you get that, and then you bite into it, and you'll know you're eating something entirely different. It's not like any protein bar you've had before. It'll taste like you're eating a candy bar, especially if you get one of those almond flavors. It'll taste like an almond joy. They're low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, high in protein, so all the healthy benefits on top of being delicious. They have nine plus flavors depending on if they're running limited time specials right now so go check them out at built.com use promo code locked 15 you'll get 15 percent off your next order again that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com all right guys let's uh let's talk about the defense a little bit everybody that follows me on twitter knows that i put clips up of all the offensive stuff that stood out to me including something we didn't talk about which is uh quentin spain having another really fine game really in all phases uh you know jackson carmen had a nice game as a run blocker but we can't spend 30 minutes talking about the offense unfortunately for you offense aficionados out there and we really do have to mention the defense because this is going to be very important against the ravens they played a generally stifling game against the Lions. There was an opportunity or two for TJ Hawkinson and Jared Goff, but again, without the dudes to threaten in the passing game, I, I think the Bengals did a good job of bottling up the run and making this Lions offense look more toothless than it probably has in any other game this season. And injuries have something to do with that, but so did how the Bengals played, right, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, there was basically a shutout. I mean, they scored three points on the starting defense, but I mean, that was garbage time. It was 27, nothing at that point. And I don't think those guys really, uh, they care. They care about their craft. They care about everything, but at the same time, they're not playing. They're, they're trying not to get injured at that point. Uh, 27, nothing. You know that because the next drive, (laughs) most of them were out and that's, that's why you pull them so that you keep them fresh and keep them free from injury. I mean, the 
what they're what they're doing is interesting to me in that my takes from last year about Lou Anaroma being a bad pressure designer just keep being more wrong every week. Uh, he came comes up with another good one. The main one I can think of is that Jesse Bates free runner down the pipe. Uh, that was a really good design. What they did was they went five five one. Sometimes you see five zero. A lot of times you do this. You're dictating the offensive line. Uh, so you have a and guy. When say, over- sorry, when you say five one. What, what guy are you referring to? Defensive line linebacker there? Yeah, defensive linebacker. So you have your five five guys on the front line, defensive line, if you want to call them. But I think one might have been a linebacker, but I'm calling it a five. Uh, and then one guy behind it was Von Bell, and he's matched up right over the running back. So what the offensive line matches that with almost every single time you ever see them do this is man protection or big on big, whatever you want to call that. So that just means I have the guy in front of me for the most part. Uh, right tackle has a guy over him. Center has a guy directly over him. He's got him. So they're matching all that up. And Jesse Bates is far enough away that they don't consider him really a threat. And then he just starts creeping down. (laughs) And right on the snap, he's sprinting and right down the A-gap because they have the defensive tackle over the offense's left, left guard. He's going out, pull him out. The center, the nose tackle is going the other way to open up a hole, and he goes right through it. It worked perfectly. Uh, Pressure within... like two seconds. So, I mean, that's a really good design. I think of the guys that are just playing really well. This Lions run game was good. It Well, at least pretty good. Average, somewhere around there. And they got shut down before that last drive. I mean, it really shut down. Like, they weren't doing anything. And a credit, big credit to DJ Reader to keep the linebackers clean and to make stops. Credit to the linebackers for when they are clean to get in there and make a tackle. Uh, credit BJ Hill cross face made a tackle Josh Tupo your guy was playing well against the run so they had everybody was it's a team effort and I mean against the run they do such a good job um, and it was no different the past game was kind of what I expected when it got to third and long where it's Jared Goff and he might be getting pressure because of some offensive line injuries and they don't really have wide receivers to bail him out so it's like I didn't think that was going to go well (laughs) And Jared Goff, I think, played a bad game, drifting back in the pocket. Brandon Thorne pointed this out in his review of Penny Sewell's game. Penny Sewell had a pretty good game, and like you said earlier, you can't try to escape out of the back of the pocket, and that led to a few of the pressures that Penny Sewell gave up because Jared Goff is like 12 yards deep. Uh, how about Cheeto? I mean, this guy is on his game and has infinite drip right now in post game. He's been really good the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, no different this week, and specifically the one play I want to highlight with him, and I have this clipped. I think you can search a Wuzier cover two maybe, <laughs> but he's playing cover two, and when you're playing cover two as a cornerback, you're facing butt to the sideline, facing in. And why you're doing that is because you're the guy if somebody goes flat. If a running back releases or number two goes out, that's your guy. But otherwise, you hit your wide receiver, you force him inside, and then you sink underneath. You just keep yeah the drip. I was going to ask what was better, his play or his fit. Um, but you just keep sinking with vertically to get underneath the route. And they ran a go ball to God knows who. And uh, Goff throws it up, and it's a pretty good pass. But he had great ball skills to go with his good coverage, and he gets up there one hand. Uh, like a, It was like a block in the NBA. Uh, I think that's coming out again today. <laughs> uh, so – he gets up there with one hand and breaks it up, knocks it out of bounds. I mean, a lot of corners, that's just going over their head. That's the honey hole shot. That's what offensives want to hit against cover two. But, well, one, you didn't occupy him. But two, he made an amazing play. So he's just 
he's very impressive every week. He's having a career year. Um, it just really shows that I think he always had this talent in Dallas, but he didn't always have the safety play behind it there. And now he gets the good safety play to go with it, and he really is thriving. I wish <laughs> I wish we got to see Trey Waynes do the same thing right now, but he just keeps getting injured because I think it could help him too, although I think he had better safety play in Minnesota. Um, but even Eli Apple, I mean, not a tough opponent, but he looked fine. And uh, all the corners, I think, are looking looking pretty good. Yeah, Mike, when – you look at this Ravens matchup coming up. I, I don't think anyone's worried about the the secondary necessarily going up against the Ravens wide receivers. We could talk about Mark Andrews, and I'm sure we will uh, at some point. Yeah, Eli Apple versus Hollywood Brown is scary, but not if it's you know Chidobe Ouzier going against him. But uh, you were talking about the run game, and uh, the last Ravens Bengals game I was at, the Ravens ran for about I, I really think it was like 1,513 yards against the Bengals, and they just beat their ass in the on the ground and so this team obviously looks much different knowing what you know about the Bengals and their run defense and what they've been able to do through six weeks knowing what the Ravens do and I know Lamar's a freak but the Bengals built to slow down this rushing attack for Baltimore oh god um it's the toughest test right this is your this is your cumulative final week six and they have to do it again later but i mean this one's in baltimore i i they have the talent they have the ability and the ravens offensive line really in run blocking hasn't been as good as it was in 2019 uh 2020 they did the big runs so i think it's comparable or maybe even just as good better i don't know (laughs) to 2020 but they don't have ronnie stanley just like they did last year to help that out um and uh, 2019, they had Marshall Yonda. But digressing to talk about old football players, uh, they can. It's so tough. It's so tough because what the Ravens do, it messes with your keys as a linebacker. And the Bengals, like, this is the only team they get into a 4-3 base against. And they're probably going to do it again this week where they're going to have four down linemen and three linebackers, which exciting for me because I think all three linebackers are having career years. So getting them all on the field is awesome instead of having to pull one off um and what they like to do is max fit quarters is what it's called uh so they're not on first look they don't look like they're plus one in the box like you normally would against the run like you want to be they have both their safeties are part of the run fit so not only are the seven guys in the front and if they have another guy a tight end matches inside and whatever else but they have their both their safeties involved as well but the thing that makes it so difficult is that when they don't run zone read you wish they ran zone read but they run as counter bash and counter read and it's pulling guards and tackles away from the running back to go with lamar for a counter bash so as a linebacker you're taught reading the guard to the running back and the backs going one way the guards are going the other way so you really have to find the football and try to follow it there. But if you don't get over top of the guards in time, then you're getting sealed. So there's, it's a really well done design. I mean, Greg Roman, I think everybody praises him for his run designs. And that's what's going to be so difficult is being linebackers being able to read it in time. I think the defensive line should do a good job. And Sam Hubbard, this is where he shines, in my opinion, is the squeeze and pop against these read options, the counter bash zone read counter read all that stuff where he shines is being able to squeeze down and pop out with the quarterback and 
they need everybody to have the game of their life pretty much to really stop this run game. But slow it down is something I could expect. Stop it? Probably not. I don't think anybody does a great job at stopping them. But I could definitely see them being slowed down, especially DJ Reader keeping guys clean. Maybe he gums up. Maybe knocks the center back into the guard when he's pulling, things like that. Very banged up on the offensive line are the Baltimore Ravens, but it just hasn't seemed to matter. You mentioned Ronnie Stanley. Uh, their rookie guard, Ben Powers, also, I believe, is injured dealing with – I think he's on IR, actually, but I might be wrong about that. Kevin Kevin Zeitler, Bradley Bozeman, Patrick McCarry have all been blocking pretty well for the Ravens, though, and so has Alejandro Villanueva as a run blocker. And fun fact, two fun facts here. One, the Ravens lead the NFL in gap – versus zone attack by like a country mile it's not even close like i think everybody probably knows that but i'm just taking aback a little bit at, at how how much that percentage is when so much of the nfl is zone heavy right now the other fun fact the bengals are actually running the ball slightly more frequently than the ravens through six games this year i don't know if anybody would have expected that and i don't think that we should expect that to continue Last little thing before we get out of here, not just the offensive line. The the Ravens are going to use two tight ends a lot. They're going to use a fullback a lot. And Patrick Ricard, Eric Tomlinson, and Mark Andrews are all doing very well. According to PFF in run blocking, they are the highest graded run blockers on this Ravens team. And Patrick Ricard has been on the field for 240 snaps, 240 fullback snaps. In this Baltimore offense, we talked about the fullback a little bit with the Vikings matchup in week one when their wide zone attack in CJ Ham. And this time in a gap scheme, we're going to see a whole lot of Patrick Ricard in that same role. Really excited to see how this matchup goes as we're in another, as we discussed, James, another measuring stick for this Bengals team in a lot of ways. And we'll be back on Sunday. We'll be back tomorrow with a crossover, but back on Sunday to talk about what happens after the game until next time Bengals fans thanks to Mike Santagata for joining us with his takeaways from the all 22 for James Rapine I'm Jake Lisko who day and have a good one